The buddies return to get their evaluations, as well as some big news for Fitzroy. The Fearbolg checks on a friend, gets some troubling information, and returns the library book. Argo has a decision to make and some quiet thinking to do. We listen to episode 6 of Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone Graduation. With you as always is me, your host PJ, and with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lauren. That's me! All right, Lauren, let me know what you think of this episode. This had such some crazy twists and turns for me. I was shook throughout the episode. Yeah, no, I actually really enjoyed this episode, even though it was all very like interlude like nothing actionable happened in it, right. but it was super cool. Oh, yeah. There was some great character moments with these boys. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. We learned that this episode is taking place mere moments from the end of the last one, as the students get dropped off at school. They head to Osric's office. Apparently, serving a monster with a subpoena is so common that it's referred to as a number 18. <laughs> Osric congratulates the Fearbulg on being the only one to have some money left over, and he says, Fiscal responsibility is my name. And everyone starts being like, Finally, we have the name. That's Fiscal his responsibility. Name. <laughs> That's such a mouthful. <laughs> and it's about as much as Dr. Mushrooms. You're right there. We learn that since they bought their magical items with the school's money, the school holds on to them, but they can check them out whenever they go on missions. That was such a bummer to me. I first was like, yeah, at first I was like, this is super weird. And then I realized that's basically what I have you guys do in my home campaign. Oh, that is true. Because, yeah, you guys only have your items when you guys are out on uh, in a Our dungeon. adventures. That's Versus, true. you know, when you're in town, you don't have them. So that's kind of exactly what's happening here. So... I was about to give Travis some crap for this, and then I realized I do the same thing. But we have to now rely on the boys to remember to go get these items before they go out. Well, I hope he kind of does it how I do it, where it's always in your inventory, but you just know you can't use it unless you're in the dungeon. I mean, Because otherwise, they will forget about these items. Oh, they will, because it sounds like Osric is, like, holding on to them. Yeah. Fitzroy says he has a photo shoot with Boy Cloaks quarterly tomorrow, so he will need his cloak for that. Argo says that magazine sounds terrible, but Osric defends Fitzroy as he says he is also subscribed to Boy Collects Quarterly. He is. The Fearbulg hands his items back to Osric, including the glue. Osric suggests he can keep it, but the Fearbulg spits some mad accounting facts here, which makes Osric agree with him and take the glue. <laughs> Not before the Fearbulg takes some glue, squirts it into his hand, and puts it directly into his pocket. He for himself. You know, just, just some, you know, loose pocket just glue. Just some casual pocket glue. Osric also asks for the pocket Gary back, but Fitz whines as he has already named him. What do you think he named him other than Gary? Oh, I don't think he actually named him. Do you him? think he named him like, like what's a portmanteau of pocket Gary? Like Perry? Parry? Pockery? Larry. It's Oh, it's Pockery? Or is it Larry? I mean, it could be Pockery Larry. Popularity? Popularity contest? Oh, no. <laughs> and Osric clarifies that there are Garys here, so he won't need them. And Fitzroy says he needs a pocket Gary because there won't be any out on missions, which just shows Fitzroy doesn't understand what's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, how often have they asked for Gary lately? They've been more independent. Yeah. Justin is tired of this conversation and just groans and please ask them to move on. <laughs> Fitzroy tries to lie and give Osric his old cloak and keep his genuine Katie Noth, but Osric sees right through it. No doubt since he is also a subscriber to Boy Cloaks himself. Oh, yeah, no, he would know a genuine Noth. We learned some boring math stuff. I mean, I'm kidding. I'll tell you what it is. But we do learn that the money that they earn goes back to the school, but it gets 5% compounded monthly or 0.5%. And when the heroes graduate, they get the interest. They can choose to tip some to the sidekicks. And it's, it's all very boring math. 
Listen, Travis wasn't lying when he said that accounting was going to be like a thing. I wasn't accounting for how boring it would be, though. Oh, no. (laughs) Fitzroy asks Fisk if that's a good financial deal. And everyone is confused before Fitzroy clarifies that Fisk is a pet name for fiscal responsibility. That is just... I mean, it's adorable. Don't get me wrong that he already has a nickname for the name, but that's so close to Fitz with Fitzroy. Well, to be fair, Fitzroy doesn't like Fitz, so. That's true. He does prefer He might be trying to specifically create confusion so that people stop calling him Fitz. It's Fitzroy Maple Court. Fisk says this is a good deal and they'd get about 350 gold when they graduate, potentially, as the hero and villain would still have to decide to give it to them and they would have to spread it three ways. That's just my note. He doesn't say that. That's... Not a ton of money. It's not. Especially for something you get in five years. Yeah. They head to Hieronymus's office. Normally they'd head to Hegelmiss's, but Hieronymus has requested this meeting specifically, which I'm, is super shady. Yeah, I'm still super suspicious of him. Hieronymus says they all did extremely well on their mission, and he may even dare to say that he is proud of them. He does eventually actually say he is proud of them. They all accomplish their missions and all get A-plus grades. Fitzroy asks if this means they've graduated, and Hieronymus says it just means they won't be kicked out and can move on to the next semester. That's so harsh. I mean, it is a specialized school. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you think that means that if they didn't get an A-plus, they would fail? Like, what if they got a C? So they would, I mean, they're already on the, the lower track with the sidekicks and hench people. But I don't think that has anything to do. Like, I don't think it's like you have bad grades to your sidekick. I think it's kind of what you choose in a weird way. I don't know. Actually, you know, we've talked about this, but I don't think we've talked about this. Like their grading system. Yeah. Well, how do you choose to become one or the other? Because it doesn't seem like Fitzroy chose to go into the sidekick track. No, he was placed But it there. clearly seems that Fearbulk and Argo did. Huh. That's true. Because, yeah, no, Fitz has been asking about his credit transfer Which because he wants get to, to be a hero. Which we get to a little bit. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know about placement. I don't know how the placement works. We also learn here that a full semester has passed. Which is so much time. Yeah. Like... I feel like just last week, only two weeks have passed. <laughs> it's a it's a semester, so it can't be like a quarter system. No, it's easily three months. That's so much time. Which we kind of establish as we go through the episode. He does say a few months a few times, but we move on. That's so crazy. Fitzroy starts being really snarky and sarcastic to Hieronymus and jokes it's because they took his charisma cloak away. <laughs> well, his Her- calves don't look as good. So. <laughs> Hieronymus dismisses Fearbulg and Argo, but asks Fitz to stay. Hieronymus dismisses Fearbulg and Argo, but asks Fitz to stay back and Fearbulg jokes that Fitzroy is going to get detention. He's in trouble. He's in trouble. Argo says he wants to go bond with the Fearbulg in this time, so the Fearbulg says they will bond by sitting in silence. <laughs> That's Hieron- how I bond with people. Is that <laughs> how you bond with people? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hieronymus says he wants to chat one-on-one, so Fitz dismisses Snippers. He says Snippers can actually stay, but Fitzroy asks to be sure because Snippers is a real gossipy so-and-so. Could anyone understand Snippers? Well, you know, I just imagined Snippers with like a big Jersey beehive getting his like claws done at like a manicurist. (laughs) And the manicurist is like this big, like some full Jersey beautician being like, no, she did not do that on her wedding day with the janitor. And he's like, and he's like, and she's just like, oh my God, Snippers behave. (laughs) (laughs) So you think Snippers has like some mad tea on Snippers is spilling mad tea all the time. Oh man. However, we learned that I was wrong during the dungeon battle episode because back then I said, I don't think Hieronymus is going to do anything about Fitzroy's grades, but clearly he did as he is here to let him know that he has been asking around. He talked to Sylvia Knight and she said he was a model student outside of the catfish incident and that with his grade at Clyde Knights, his performance on this mission and with the recommendation of some of the staff, 
Fitz is being promoted to the Heroes and Villains track starting next semester. Which is crazy! Yeah, it's insane. It's very out of nowhere. I was not expecting this turn in the show. I wasn't either. Neither was Fitz, and he asks if he is going to be placed as a hero, but is told he's actually going to be a villain due to his penchant for chaos, his chaotic magic, and his phenomenal work as a villain on this mission. Dun, dun, dun. Fitz asks if he can, at a later time, choose to move to hero, and Hieronymus lets him know that the staff can move him if they feel that is the right fit, but as of now, the choices are to stay a sidekick or become a villain. Mm-hmm. You know what they say, you either graduate a sidekick or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Do they say that? Yeah. Oh. You know, it's that line from The Dark Knight. No, no, I know it's the line from The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah, I'm the wondering dark, if... The line from The Dark Knight. You either graduate a sidekick or live long enough to see yourself promoted to a villain. I have been misquoting this Yeah, everyone time. misquotes it all the time. Wow. Yeah. We're just getting all my random questions answered here because in episode one, I also asked if there are any villains in Clyde Knights. And here, as Fitzroy expresses concern over becoming a villain and possibly losing his knighthood, Hieronymus explains that there are plenty of villain knights. Fitzroy explains that he's more worried if Goodcastle will take him specifically if he is a graduate nastyman, as he puts it. <laughs> Again, it's been a few episodes, but heroes and villains are performative as heck because Hieronymus just states that a villain knight is totally a thing and they don't have to be evil. They could just be like super aggressive about how much they love their country. Yikes. Oh my God. That hits really close to home. <laughs> oh no. Oh God. Magonites. No. Additionally, we learn that since Fitzroy has worked so well with Argo and Fearbulk, they're being offered as his henchpeople. This tickles Fitzroy and is made even better when he learns that he'd be moved into a private room and they would be in an adjoining room to his. Did you? I don't know if you noticed. I noticed some very ominous music underneath this dialogue as they were getting his promotion. Yeah, and I kept almost thinking like the segment was going to end because I was like, is this like transitionary music? Oh, no, this is just like background music. This is just like a soundtrack. Why is it so dark and scary? Well, he is becoming a villain. But we've already established that like that doesn't really bad matter. Bad boy Fitzroy. Okay. Fitzroy the bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. <laughs> Fitzroy seems to accept the offer tentatively, especially when he's a little excited, a little too excited at the fact that Argo and Fearbulb would have to share an even smaller room. But he's getting upgraded to, to his a own, private room. His own little room. He gets excited about coming up with a villain nom de plume. He says it'll be fine as long as his family doesn't find out and asks if they send report cards home. But Hieronymus clarifies, this isn't middle hero school. <laughs> Does that mean that there are other hero schools before this? Like, as in, like, could you potentially be going to hero school your entire life? Like, could you be going to, like, an elementary, middle, high, and college hero school? It Based on this conversation, it sounds like it. Interesting. Do you think you would have any priority placement? Do you think that's how people become immediately heroes and villains? Like when they because get because they started out in a in a different school. Maybe, huh. but so many questions. I don't know because like heroes and villains are separate from sidekicks and hench people. Would they have their own? But maybe it's their sidekicks and hench people because they didn't go to like the preschool, like the preschool of of heroism the- and villainy. So people could start as a sidekick hench person and then... Well, maybe it's, I, maybe it's like advanced placement. Like, oh, you went to Hieronymus's intermediary school of heroism <laughs> and villainy. <laughs> so you can now get placed directly into the hero and villain track versus you guys. You guys are just going straight into this school. So you have to start off as sidekick and hench people. You know, I, um, I haven't read Jermaine's novel. But he has to release it. He really does. I think we're getting too caught up we are getting so caught up in this we are so in the weeds with this we are so in the weeds with david with david pumpkin david s pumpkin where did the s come from (laughs) 
Apparently, heroes and villains can potentially be good enough to graduate early, which is weird and messed up. Fitzroy says if he is going to twist his arm, he'll accept the move to villain. And Hieronymus is like, no, this is fully your choice. And he's like, oh, no, please, the bone's in my arm. (laughs) Hieronymus asks him to keep the move a secret until the next semester starts, which he doesn't. Super doesn't. We cut to Argo and Fearbolg bonding by the Fearbolg teaching Argo about trees before Hernandez interrupts them. Fearbolg assumes he is there since he is hungry for tree bark. Argo says this is his tree bark, and the Fearbolg tells him to show he is not afraid. So Argo takes a huge bite of bark before realizing how disgusting it is. <laughs> Does this... I mean, we've talked a little bit about how, how Rainier is probably a light practical joker. Do you take the Fearbolg as a practical joker? Uh, you know what? We establish a lot in this episode specifically that the Fearbolg, while not good at lying, are really about comedy. Yeah. But I don't know if he was joking here. I think he was being like, a searcher dominates nature. But then he immediately was like, haha, you yeah. ate the tree. Well, he says the joke like, I guess his bark was bigger than his bite, <laughs> which I was so sad because I write notes as I'm listening to the episode. So I literally paused right after the bark bite and I wrote that joke and then the fear bulk said it and I had to erase it because I was like, oh my God, my joke was already sad. <laughs> You and Justin. We're right there. The Fearbulk shares a strong aptitude for comedy, and we learn that this is probably a Fearbulk thing in general. Yeah, as he discusses how they know all about comedic timing and the rule of threes and all that stuff. I mean, good for Fearbulks. Yeah, good for them. They can't lie, but they can tell you a funny joke. I haven't seen any of them on the like stand-up comedy circuit yet. Though. Well, yeah, I, they were in the Fearbulk Kings of Comedy. I must have missed it. Yeah. Uh, Hernandez asks Fearbulk to come with him as their mutual friend would like to speak with him. Argo heads back to his dorm and finds a letter from, assumedly, Jackal, because it has the same overlapping circles that the letter he gave him back in the tavern had, but he can't remember that due to his low in-check. But when he opens it, he realizes it's Jackal scheduling a meeting with him. I mean, okay, sneakery teacher leaves a note on his student's pillow where he shares a dorm with two other students. That's not super sneaky to me. Maybe he just trusts them. I don't know. Maybe he knew that Argo would be the first one back. That's what... That's just what he wants you to think. <laughs> the fear bulb meets back up with the Pegasus from episode one. He does. And we see that it has fully grown through the course of the semester. And the fear bulb has been popping by to visit here and there. That's so sweet. The Pegasus has been training hard and growing to become big and strong and protect her flock based on the fear bulb's advice. It was quality advice. It was where he was like, you know, you have to be big and strong. Like that's how you're going to survive. Aww. The Pegasus says they have to go back and see if they have a flock to go home to and protect so that what happened to her can't happen to another foal ever again. That's so heroic. Yeah, it's super sad. <laughs> the Pegasus reveals her name to be Breeze Through the Willow, which is a beautiful name. That is beautiful. Apparently, Pegasi don't usually give their names to others outside of their flock, but she thinks Fearbulg might need her at some point. So she gives Fearbulg one of her feathers and tells him that if he ever needs her, he need just say her name while holding the feather and she'll be there. I know it's like a joke how players get really attached to NPC characters. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm so here for this relationship with I know, the Fearbulg and this Pegasus. Yeah, it's so cute. Fearbulg tells her she'll be missed, but Bree seems too panicked to take that in as she reveals to the Fearbulg that after doing some research, the monsters that attacked her flock were demons. Ugh, yikes. This is troubling news, and they discuss it for a moment before the Fearbulg tries to get back on track to their goodbyes, as he does not want to distract from their departure, so he gives her a parting gift of some loose pocket glue. Honestly, I've never received loose pocket glue, so I don't know what real friendship is. (laughs) 
you know what? And honestly, it is such a dumb little joke gift. But he says a little beautiful line where he's like, as even when we go far, we'll be stuck together type of thing. Oh, Super cute. So cute. They say they'll miss each other. And the fear bulg accompanies her as she takes flight for the first time. Thanks to the fear bulg's kindness. Crying. Crying so Crying. hard. Crying. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's me, PJ, your awesome ally, here as always to thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We just hit our first big milestone of reaching 100 listens. We appreciate all of you so much and hope to get 100 more. As the youth say, you gotta keep it 100. And you can do so by interacting with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TalkinTaz or by searching for TalkinTaz Podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. You all spreading the word about us has been amazing, and we hope you keep it going. A note from this episode, we discussed Genasi genetics, and we wanted to give you a semi-official answer. As with all things D&D, this is world-specific and not gospel, but Genasi are typically born to mortals that mate with genies, mortals that mate with elemental entities, if both parents are Genasi, and sometimes, not always, if one or more of their ancestors are Genasi. So, while it is possible for a Genasi and a mortal to produce a Genasi offspring, it would be incredibly rare. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we hope you join us again next Thursday. Now back to the podcast. Fitzroy is taking a walk and talking to Snippers, wondering if he's just made a huge mistake. But Snippers cheers him up, but in a roundabout way. And I love that they're actually talking because I remember when they were RPing that he didn't understand Snippers at all. Yeah. So I'm glad they're having like full conversations now, even though we're only getting half of it. Yeah, I 100% think that it's just Griffin having a conversation. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think like Travis has any input into it, but I love that it is an actual in canon conversation between Fitzroy and Snippers. And I love that. I mean, I know it's been some time since Snippers first appeared on the scene, but I I really love their relationship. Yeah, they're so close now. Yeah. Do you but think I, he goes on long existential walks with Snippers a lot? Oh, yeah, all the time. He did say, Snippers, you always know how to cheer me up. So clearly this happens often. <laughs> That's so sweet. Fearbog wants to research on demons. So he heads to the research library run by the total librarian and research teacher, Sabor. Turtles are a turtle race, not a tortellini race, as we are clarified. Because Clint asked, right? Yes. Yeah. They discuss how almost lazy the naming of turtle was, as being like, uh, it's a turtle race, uh, uh, turtle. <laughs> and they just go on a bit for this for a while, and it's really funny. It's pretty cute. Sabor has a similar cadence and talking speed as a fearbolg, so the boys lament how slow this will go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes yeah. sense, right? As a turtle. He is a turtle. Yeah. Fearbull gives Sabor the information on the demons breeze through the willow saw, and Sabor, without even going to get a book, just closes his eyes and realizes the first monster was a closet, not a closet, and the second one was a shadow demon. Here my brain, it's so bad being a DM, because my brain was just like, that's just a CR1 and a CR4 monster, they can handle them. Oh, yeah, no, whereas I, as a player, was like, that sounds scary. Yeah, I was just like, mm, that's like a combined CR5, and like, they're three CR3s, like... It'll be tough, but they would handle it and probably level up to level four. <laughs> Sabor does say that it is rare for different races of demons to work together. He asks the Fearbulk if he'd like to check out a book, to which Fearbulk says he already has too many to read. And Sabor lets him know the comprehensive guide to berries is due back tomorrow. And the Fearbulk says he has already returned it and that he is very punctual, so to check again. Sabor finds it, but says that this is volume one, but Fearbulk still has volume two. And Fearbulk takes this as a great shame. 
He but says, it's due tomorrow, so he still has a, a day to return it. Yeah. He says he will return it and he'll pay late fees, even though he's not returning it late. <laughs> As what if someone else wanted to learn about berries? I mean, would you want to learn about berries or tree bark first? Well, berries. Oh, okay. It's a very good subject to start with. <laughs> However, they agree that the people would need to start with volume one anyways, as you miss all the best jokes if you don't read volume one first. Do Again, you... fearbulgs are all about comedy. You think this was written by a fearbulg? Uh, maybe. But even if it wasn't, they appreciate how good it is. You know, they know that fearbulgs are the berry-finding race, and they were specifically written with comedy in mind because they were like, well, fearbulgs love comedy and berries. This is going to be a big seller. I mean, what jokes are in? Uh, did you not hear my joke like two seconds ago about berries? I just made one. That was that was one, but this is like in a this is an entire volume. Name some berries. Watermelons are berries. Are they really? I think so. Yeah, it's actually super weird what constitutes as a berry. Like strawberries aren't berries, raspberries aren't blueberries, but a banana is a berry, a watermelon is a berry, a tomato is a berry. Like, if you're going by the actual definition of what constitutes a berry, a lot of things that are named berries are not berries, and a lot of other things are. Which is what they would cover in the volume one, I assume. Which I read, and that's why I know all this information. But you haven't read volume two because the Fearbulk hasn't returned the book yet. You know, I've been really annoyed with it. I'm actually glad he's going to be paying those late fees. But it's not late. It's not, well, it's, not late. it's late in my heart. No. Fearbulk goes back to his dorm and finds volume two and returns it to Saber's delight. Back of the dorm... Fitzroy is about to tell the boys the news that he is now a villain and them his hench people, but is interrupted by Argo giving an impassioned speech about how he loves their dynamic and considers them a family. That's so sweet. It is, but you know it's just Clint being a jerk. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. But still, he said it. Yeah, no, it's in canon character-wise accurate, but it was just Clint being a jerk. <laughs> it prompts Fitzroy to delay his news for a moment as to not seem crass, but Argo presses him for a moment by saying that the three of them will change the school. And Fitzroy says, maybe two buddies and their brave leader instead change the school, their brave leader being the Thunderman, Fitz's proposed villain name. Which I'm here for. Super here for. Fearbog loves the name. Fitz officially tells them the news and lets them know they'll get a spacious new room in the main annex. He will get the spacious new room. Yeah, no, he's being a total liar. But they're getting a, a suite of rooms, right? Mm, they're Well, I mean, he made it very clear that he wanted them to get a very small, like, annex room. But with only two of them instead of three of them staying in there? I'm just saying, he very clearly was like, they're going to get a small room, right? And when he's talking to them, he's like, you guys are going to get a spacious room. Like, he's clearly just being, like, catty. Oh, Fitzroy. Not to their knowledge, though. And ask them what they think. Fearbog is okay with the news. Argo is more concerned as he is here to be a sidekick, not a hench person. However, Travis lets us know that heroes and villains can both have sidekicks or hench people, which just more lore for Jermaine's novel. Yeah. Essentially, the way it works is if you are working directly with the hero or villain, you're a sidekick. But if you were like part of an underling group, you're a hench person. This, this is getting very complicated. But I mean, I think this one actually makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, because sidekicks, there's usually just one or two working directly with them. But if you look at someone like the Joker, they have a bunch of hench people that they never really interact with. So back in an earlier episode, you were saying like people could have tons and tons of sidekicks and hench people to like take. But blame I guess they could them? only have tons and tons of hench people. Yeah. But hench people still take blame. Oh, are very good at it, I would hope. Well, if they went to a good school, they are. Yeah. Argo seems like he's trying to be dismissive at this point because no matter what he says, there's always an answer, but he tries to come up with a new reason as to why this wouldn't work. Before we get to the root of the issue, which is Argo just being concerned about having Fitzroy as a boss. Fitzroy says they'd be more like sub-co-villains and that Argo could be chief executive associate villain. <laughs> Fearbulg is excited to be a Thunderman franchisee. 
Fitzroy tried to give him the title of Chief Financial Officer, but Fearbulg instead just wants to be a franchise of Thunderman, which would mean he is also Thunderman, and Argo likes that arrangement, as they'd be their own bosses. You don't think some of this also has to do with Argo's fear of not being able to join the Commodore? I don't know, maybe. But I think it's a little bit of dress here, because Fearbulg explains how being a franchisee works. Again, killing it without accounting info. He's so good. But Fitzroy says not to see him as a boss, but more of a friend. Fearbulk says that the friendship is mutually beneficial and that he is like a business cousin, <laughs> which I just laugh so hard at. <laughs> so so we don't have bosses. We have business cousins. Business cousins. Oh, I don't like that. Argo still isn't sure, but says that if Fearbulk is down, he'll go for it, especially considering the alternative is the three of them splitting up. So do you consider the Fearbulk like a litmus test for everything? No, I think it's literally just since the Fearbulk has already said yes, I'd mean they both left and he'd be alone. And he had just gotten through with how much he really appreciated exactly Fitzroy does try to ease any tension by saying he isn't trying to make this a permanent arrangement and create an almighty evil triumvirate that will take over the world this is all really just to make their time at school easier and he will never make them do anything they wouldn't be comfortable with which I'm super here for yeah because I think it really is something where like Argo is worried that it's going to be something that goes to Fitzroy's head Mm -hmm. but Fitzroy's like this is literally just because it'll make my goals easier and ideally it'll make your guys' goals easier too. It seems like even though they are disjointed at times, they're becoming more unified and concerned about each other. Mm -hmm. Argo suggests going to the lawyer to draft something up. Fitzroy says they can start with a verbal agreement now and Argo calls to Gary to be witness and notarize the arrangement. They put their hands in and Fitz sings the Thunderman theme song but laments that they need a bard. After that though, Justin mockingly asks Griffin how much money he made on Bandcamp but Travis exclaims that it all went to charity in defense of his little baby brother. And you listen to Griffin's Bandcamp. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And honestly, I really like the Thunderman theme song. There's a knock at the door and they joke that it's either the IRS or the Bandcamp police. In actuality though, it's probably a small animal skeleton. Fitz asks Argo to get the door for him, which Argo responds, you're not my, oh wait, yes you are. (laughs) Already abusing that power, but it doesn't happen again. Yeah, no, it doesn't. The raccoon skeleton, that devious little scamp, and the only one Fitz doesn't hate, as established in episode three, is there and has a letter for each of them, including the Fearbulg, still addressed as Dr. Mushrooms. I guess they haven't gotten that fiscal responsibility update. Yeah, you know, (laughs) I mean, does that mean that he's been Dr. Mushrooms for the entire rest of the semester? If he's receiving a letter with that name on it, I would assume so. Yeah, because I feel like Rainier would have interacted with them sometime in the last few months again, especially considering that this is an invitation to her birthday party. So obviously she's close with them to some extent. Especially to Fitzroy, right? Your My OTP. Oh my God. Look, if this was like an 80s movie, they would go to that birthday party and that's where Fitzroy and Rainier would have their first kiss. But it's not. So they're not going to. After a lot of trouble and turmoil, it would be very beautiful. But they're not going to because this is not an 80s movie. It could be. It isn't. We'll see. What's its title? The Breakfast Club, but there's no crepe station. (laughs) Until Rainier gives him one. She gives him a singular crepe. This is a long title. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so is the new Borat movie. (laughs) Okay, no. Listen, Rainier and Fitz. I know they're your OTP. I know you want them to be together. Fitz specifically says that Snippers is going to be his plus one. Specifically calls out Snippers as his plus one. Yeah, because his, that's his wingman. No, Snippers is his, his friend. His wingman. No, is his friend. Yeah, and you know what your friends do for you? They act as your wingman. Snippers would be a really good wingman. Yeah, he would be the best wingman. He knows everything about everyone. Yeah. Any of Rainier's friends would be lucky to have Snippers. <laughs> I love Snippers. We do get a little joke here after the Dr. Mushrooms comment where Fitzroy says that it's been months. How have they not come up with a better name for the Fearbulg? <laughs> it only took him an evening to come up with Thunderman. It's a good point. Fearbulg says it's not his decision to make. Yeah, he seems very 
Well, he doesn't want a name. They're giving him a name. Yeah, he's non-committal. The letters are invitations to Rainier's birthday party, as we've established. They all RSVP with Fitzroy, as stated, uh, taking Snippers as his plus one. Fitzroy gives the raccoon a jelly bean as a tip, and it excitedly makes the cutest noise and then takes off. I would argue a jelly bean is better than a berry just because the jelly bean will last longer. All I'm saying is I don't want to fight on the podcast, okay? Uh, I don't want to fight on the podcast. Catch me outside. Catch me after this podcast. We're going to fight. Oh, no. We move to the boys asleep and then see the Fearbulg's recurring dream. But this time, for an instant, the Fearbulg sees Higgle miss his face in the woods before the dream fades. I was so shook. I was like, what the hell? I love Higgle miss. I was like, is Higgle miss the villain? I was so sad. Higgle miss has been one of my favorite characters this entire time. And yeah, now- this episode, because I don't know if you remember when we were recording episode, I think three, but we were very much like, uh, Higgle miss is cool and Hieronymus is a little sus and now we're out here like Hieronymus is cool and Hegelmus is sus I don't understand what's going on with these brothers I was here I for the, the Grinchy brother but yeah this is this is a throwing a wrench in that oh I'm so sad yeah. Argo sinks out of the dorm room and heads towards Jackal on the balcony Argo remembers that the Kenku lost their wings long ago as a punishment so he implores Jackal to come off the perch Jackal lets him know that in his dreams, he still has wings, so he can still fly before he wakes, which is such a beautiful line. Mm-hmm. Jackal also lets Argo know that the Kenku are mimics and that their voice, not mimics as in like chess with, like a, a with mimic. teeth in them, but they mimic people's voices. And their voice changes to match those they spend the most time with as Travis slowly changes his voice to match Argo's, which is super cool voice work. Yeah, I was really into that. I mean, at the end of the day, it was probably just... Travis being like, this Kenku voice is hard in my throat. But it is true that Kenku are mimics. I like that story explanation for something that might have been a real life problem. Yeah. And honestly, the way he does it, it, it's a very gradual change from sounding like original Jackal to new Jackal. Yeah. Jackal reveals that he knew Argo's mother. And I thought he was about to say Mariah, but he says Shabri. So then we still... We still don't know who Mariah is. No, it's his cover band. Well, we do know that. So we know about Mariah carrying me onto the waves, right? Of course. But I feel like he loves Mariah so much that he probably named something else after her. So we still have to know what that is. He knew Argo's mother, Shabri. Jackal and Shabri were friends for a long time. Argo asks if Jackal is his father, which Jackal says no. But I was like, is Jackal his father? But he couldn't be, right? Because he's a... Yeah, I think it would be like, I think Argo would have some weird like feathers or something. But he's, he, yeah, because he's, um, what are what are they called? Genasi. Thank you. So we have to have a... Well, Genasi, I think, can also be passed. Like, I think if you're a Genasi, you could have a Genasi child because that blood still exists in you. It's not common, but I think it's possible. But we, I think we established in the first episode that uh, Shabri, now that we know, was like the Argo bir- was birthed from the union of her and a water elemental. It, yeah, I think that's what I had assumed. Argo says his mother never mentioned Jackal, which Jackal says there is a good reason for. All of the missions he has sent Argo on have had a purpose to a secret organization that his mother belonged to. The organization is very old, very secret, and one can only be a member by being invited. And each member can only invite one person. Jackal points at Argo as he says that and tosses him a coin with two semicircles on one side and the words blood and bone, rain and stone on the other as a napkin Jackal gave to Argo at the tavern the first time they met. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jackal says he invited his best friend Mosh, and now he is inviting Argo, which is immediately confusing as he just said each member could only invite one person. However, he clarifies that he has already used his invitation. This one was Argo's mother's, which was, oof, 
That gave me that gave me chills. Oh yeah, no same. The coin is inscribed with her name, and Jackal was entrusted with it to invite Argo when the time was right. Jackal says that Argo should think on this, as accepting the offer means turning over your life to the organization, but the missions are all for the greater good. Which greater good is arguable, but I think I trust Jackal in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, he's been super sneaky about everything, but I don't know, just the fact that he knew his mother and they were close, I don't know, for some reason it's just giving me like, okay, I can trust this guy now vibes. And I'm not in the session, so I can't roll insight. So like, yeah, yeah, but I agree. I trust him. Jacko says that if Argo chooses to say no, he will simply keep the coin and move on with his life. Argo asks if he can confer with his boss and coworker, Fitz and Fearbulg respectively, which I love that he's already calling them that. Yeah. But Jacko says no, and that the group depends on full secrecy. Argo says that the only info he really has to go off of then is that they're the good guys, which Jackal interrupts to say that they're not the good guys. They do good. Everyone thinks they're the good guys, even bad people. Which I thought was beautiful. Well, yeah, it's so good. And it's a further deconstruction of the hero and villain mythos, baby. Baby. (laughs) Argo is confused by this, but asks if he can talk to Jackal about Shabri. But Jackal says there will be time for that later and turns back to look at the night sky as the episode fades. However, we get a little sting at the end of the episode after the outro music of Argo awkwardly saying, I guess I'll leave, since clearly Jekyll has his own thing going on now. And then he'll just let himself out. Justin laughs the entire time and asks him to please just end this because he has to pee so badly. And the episode fades on Justin laughing and Clint continuing to be like, all right, I guess I'll just go. I don't go talk to myself. <laughs> and it's it's such a good ending to the episode, but that is also the ending of the episode. Man, what a good one. Oh, we learned so many good things about each individual boy, and we have such a bright future ahead of us now with Fitzroy transferring to the villain track. Yeah, I think Fearbull got maybe the least in this episode, but I think the interaction he had with Sabor was still really cool. But man, we learned so much about Fitzroy and Argo. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean we also learned that the fear bulgs are big on comedy. comedy. The fear bulg kings of comedy. <laughs> all right, everyone. Unfortunately, that is all we have for you this week. We hope you join us again next week for the next episode of the Adventure Zone graduation. I have been PJ. I've been Lauren. And we'll see you next time when we are once again talking Taz.